0: I invite you to turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2. We've been walking with uh, Elijah through his life and ministry, and now we are going to transition to Elisha. As Elijah ascends here shortly, we see Elijah commissioned to go forward as a conqueror. Now, Scripture makes it clear that God hears prayer and that He answers prayer, though we may not experience answered prayer in the way that we would hope. The overarching prayer uh, throughout Scripture and uh, throughout the past, the present, and the future is this. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer encompasses all of our life and experience. God's kingdom has come, and God's kingdom will come. Now, how do we have confidence that this is true especially when we can't see it. Well, we have confidence because we have a king who was risen and who has ascended to the right hand of God. He reigns now, and so we who follow Jesus can be assured that this is so. His kingdom will come fully one day. Now, the challenge, it seems, or a challenge for followers of Jesus is that things often look grim and defeat maybe feels pretty imminent Circumstances through various seasons of life can feel anything but victorious. uh, Social shifts leave us disappointed and often hopeless. Yet throughout the pages of history and scripture, God's kingdom remains. God's kingdom grows. God takes dominion in and throughout the world. So our confidence that this is the case and will be the case throughout the rest of history is that we have a Savior ascended to heaven who now reigns. Over all things. And the scriptures also tell us that we are united to this king, that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Do you believe this? Well, Elijah and Elisha show us the way, they show us the pattern of an ascended prophet who then commissions a people to conquer in God's behalf. To that end, will you join me with prayer as we enter into this time? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your dear son. As Elijah ascended into heaven to dwell in your very presence, Jesus himself gave himself to us, and he also rose from the dead to ascend at your right hand, and he delights to descend with us. So we ask you, Jesus, to descend now to dwell with us, to open our ears and our eyes and soften our hearts that we might receive that which you have for us from your very word. We pray your blessing upon us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going from Elijah to Elisha and we begin to peel back the onions in layer after layer for this story as we've been doing through Elijah. Now we, the tears that fall will be tears of joy because we behold this, a beautiful story. Elijah has been faithful to the end. He ascends to heaven and he makes way for Elisha. Now just know I'm going to mess up those names time and again. That's what happens with Elijah, Elisha, so just bear with me in that. But Elisha is coming to the scene, to the forefront, and those who unite themselves to Elisha become in him with him more than conquerors. Second Kings two, chapter one. Now when the, chapter two, verse one. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Okay? So there is a storm on the horizon. In the way that we see Thunderhead clouds form and, and funnel clouds form on the Nebraska plains, the reader is given a hint here. There's a storm coming. God is coming in his whirlwind. Elijah is with Elisha, and though Elijah has coming to his end, he's, he's conquered already. God is using Elijah to conquer false gods. Uh, the wicked king Ahab has been conquered and is now dead. Uh, the adulterous queen Jezebel has also been defeated. And there's a new king. On the throne in Israel. His name is Ahaziah, but he has just died in this last chapter of 2 Kings 1 because he too, like his father and mother, forsaken God for false gods. He had sent his captains and, and armies of 50, and those were consumed by the fire of, a, of God which Elijah called down. Elijah has been conquering, but now it's time for him to ascend, making way for a new conqueror. So, let's peel back the layer of the onion on this story just a little bit here. So, let's make some connections here. Elijah, the prophet, we've talked about him quite a bit for a few weeks here. Elijah comes as a new Moses. His life parallels Moses' life in a lot of ways. If that's the case, we should expect a new Joshua to come onto the scene, right? Moses made way for Joshua, and now Elijah makes way for Elisha. So, when we see Elisha we'll picture what was Eli- what was jo- uh, uh, there's a lot of names here what was Joshua's life like elisha will imitate Joshua as he enters the land once again now not only does Elijah to Elisha look backwards but it also looks forward we have uh, John the Baptist was named, known as an Elijah right and he makes way for another Joshua who was Jesus right this is making sense, right? Another layer. So there's those layers, looking back, looking forward. But here's another layer that goes a little bit deeper. Uh, Jesus is also a kind of uh, Elijah. And who does Jesus make the way for? Who else is in Elisha? The church. The church, okay? So we've got uh, Elijah to Elisha. We've got Moses to Joshua. We've got John the Baptist to Jesus. We've got Jesus To the church. There's a lot going on here, right? But all these images are that Scripture brings up time and again, time and again. Here in 2 Kings, the glory clouds descend on the horizon of the pages here where we see Elijah soon to be taken up into heaven. But what does this mean for the people of God and for history of redemption? Well, look at verses 2 and 3 of this passage. Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. This sequence happens three times. Elijah says the same thing, Elisha says the same thing, and then these prophets say, We're looking at the weather report. Storm's coming, and your master, your father's going to be leaving you. And he says, be quiet. I must stay with my master. Now, why is it happening in this way? Well, anytime we have a number of three things happening at once, we know that something new is coming. There's a, a transition happening. But what's going on here with Elijah and Elisha? Well, uh, on some level, Elisha is being tested three different times. Does that remind you of anybody in Scripture? So there's times where he's being tested here. He's been called, he's he's being clothed as the prophet to succeed Elijah. But will Elisha remain faithful in the way Jesus was tested in the wilderness? So Elisha here is tested three times. There's a testing for Elisha. But what is Elijah doing in this passage? Elijah is symbolically undoing the conquest of the land. Remember, there was Joshua that went in and conquered the land. He was following this path and conquering the land after the Exodus. Elijah is symbolically undoing the conquest. He's reversing the path of the conquest. See, the the story of Israel going into the land begins at Gilgal, where the, the wilderness wandering Israelites were circumcised. They renewed covenant before they go on to conquer the land. The next station was to go to Bethel where Abraham had earlier set up an altar, Isaac and Jacob had worshipped there, other of their ancestors as well. Then they go to, to Jericho, the first city to be conquered by God, who is now departing the land himself. You got Elijah is departing the land. The word of God is going backwards, if, if you will, undoing the conquest, and he's going back out across the Jordan into the wilderness. Now. How would this look if you were seeing this, to witness it? By all appearances, this movement of Elijah would look like defeat, wouldn't it? It would feel like defeat. God's people faithful to Yahweh in the land, well, their prophet is now departing, and God's going to take him from them. Think about Elijah. He's departing, and he's not seeing revival on any level in this land. All his work could seem for naught. And Elisha and the company of prophets with them, This is Elijah. He calls him father. It's his father. It's his master, his his guide, his mentor. And yet it is through this exile into the wilderness that God's victory is won and the new prophet conqueror is crowned. So we're going to skip down to verse 8 and see after this third time of this dialogue what happens. Verse 8 says this, Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up, And struck the water of the Jordan River, and the water parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them could go over on dry ground. Now, we're not surprised, are we, to see another body of water part at God's prophet's command? God's people would then pass through these waters of judgment on dry land. See, God's word, his prophet, is exiling himself from the land. The old cloak is, is rolled up and it strikes the water, the old is being rolled away. The way for something new is being prepared. Verse 9 and 10. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. This double portion. In the Old Testament Scriptures, the eldest son who would succeed the father would receive a double portion, right, of the inheritance. So Elisha's is not asking for necessarily twice as much spirit as what Elijah has. Elisha is asking about his role as successor. Am I to be the one to succeed you, Elijah? The school of prophets have been following Elijah and Elisha around And they're asking, who's going to follow Elijah? We know he's going to be taken from us, but who will take up the mantle of our Elijah? The one who receives the double portion will be the eldest son. So if the prophets see that the Spirit has descended upon Elisha, they will know Elisha is the new Elijah. It's a difficult ask because Elijah can't really arrange this, right? It's God alone that can be doing this. Both prophets enter into this scene trusting in the providence of God and in his plan. So then verse 11. As they still went on and talked behold chariots of fire horses of fire separated the two of them and Elisha or Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and he cried my father my father the chariots of Israel and its horsemen and he saw them no more. My father My father is the cry of Elisha as he sees his mentor, his father, ascend in cloud, in fire, upon chariots and horses. God promises to be a father to the fatherless, which is the promise of comfort and life, often in the face of absence and of death. Now, if you've seen artwork of this image here of of, uh, Elijah ascending, you probably see things of fire and of glory and power, of might, and, and there's awe as Elijah is like whipping the horses and chariots are taking him up in flames all around him. And that's very possible that there were these physical chariots and horses here. But it's also possible that, look at how Elisha addresses him, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. He could be talking directly to Elijah. In chapter 1, we see that Elijah is actually called the fire of God, Right? And remember throughout history of Israel's kingship, they're not supposed to amass weapons of war, her- chariots and, and horses, right? So during the King Re- King, uh, reign of Ahab, who was Israel's chariots and horse? Who were the weapons that God used to defeat the enemies? Elijah. He is Israel's chariots. He is Israel's horses. He is the fire of God descended among the people of God. Remember that weird chapter in Ezekiel 1? It's so bizarre. But what you see is fire and chariot. Elijah, or Ezekiel is called amongst fire and chariots, so God's prophet. Isaiah is also called amongst the fire of God descending, filling up the temple. So Elijah is ascending in God's fiery storm cloud. God's glory is a consuming fire, refining those who follow him, but consuming in judgment those who reject him. Elijah ascends after his faithful service to God to dwell in the midst of his God. But something else is going on here. If Elijah is being taken away, Elisha then is being called to serve as Elijah's successor amidst God's glory, cloud, and fire. Look at the second half of verse 12. Then he, being Elisha, took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, struck the waters, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. The Scriptures say if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is gone, and the new is come. In tearing his clothes, Elisha is descending a symbolic grave. He's tasting a symbolic death. He's being torn apart at the ascension of his father. Before he can serve fully, Elisha must be raised from the dead by God to be clothed in the righteous robes of God's conqueror. Who has now ascended to heaven? There, there's a question that still remains, though, in, in Elijah or Elisha's uh, head here, and, and those, who, those prophets who have seen this happening from the other side of the Jordan. Is Elisha the one? That's what Elisha's prayer is. Where is the God uh, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Is this me? Is, is he the one to come? And boy, does God show up. An echo to Elijah's actions earlier in striking the Jordan River. Echoing Moses' striking of the Red Sea. An echo of all that, Elisha takes up God's given instrument in the cloak and he strikes the water and the water parts. Elisha has served alongside Elijah for quite a while now. Elisha has seen the salvation of God in the life and ministry of Elijah whose ministry and life was all about showing that the Lord is Yahweh. The Lord is God. That's what Elijah means. My God is Yahweh. His whole life and ministry was devoted to showing the people of God that this is God. Yahweh is God. And now, out of the absence of his father or master, Elijah, Elisha is now raised up to conquer. He is clothed with God's spirit. Elisha means God or my God is salvation. God is Yahweh. My God is salvation. Once again, God miraculously parts the waters of judgment in order that his people, a new Joshua, which also means God saves, this new Joshua, Elisha, will pass through the waters of judgment unscathed, and he goes forward like Joshua to conquer the land to save God's people. But will he be received by his own people, right? A prophet is not received in his own hometown. Will the people receive him? Verse 15, now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to him, or to meet him, bowed to the ground before him. They said to him, behold now, there are with your servants 50 strong men. Please let them go. Seek your master. It may be that the spirit of the Lord has caught him up, cast him in the valley. And he said, you shall not send. So the prophet of God speaks. Will it come True. There is a school of prophets, a seminary, if you will, a remnant of God's word, and they're bearing witness to all that has transpired across the river. They're confirming the reality that God's spirit, which long guided Elijah, now rests upon Elisha. This is confirmed among them as the prophet speaks and says, don't go do that, you won't find him, but they go do it, and they find that they don't see Elijah anywhere. Elisha is confirmed. He is vindicated as God's prophet. Okay? But why? What is, this, what is all this about? Because Elijah gave his whole life to to, work, to, to to try to get people to see that God is Yahweh and to, to restore worship. But for what purpose now is Elisha going from the wilderness, crossing the Jordan, to go into the land? For what purpose? What end? To conquer. To conquer the land as a new and better Joshua. And if we were to read through the rest of chapter 2, we would see that's exactly what Elisha does. Elisha retraces the steps that he just walked with, with Elijah. He goes back to Bethel, or to Jericho. He goes back to Bethel. He goes back all the way to ascend Mount Carmel, just like Elijah did. You follow the life of Elisha, and you see the life of Joshua and Elijah in parallel. The prophet Elisha's word is proven true. At Jericho, he heals the land. He heals the waters that were cursed. At Bethel, he curses false priests, worshiping false gods. He is cleansing Bethel, which means the house of God. He is cleansing the temple, if you will. And he is not only retracing Elijah's route of Exodus, he is stomping the way of Joshua's conquering the land. Elisha came as God's salvation, as God's conquering prophet. So I want us to see this. It's, the, the passage is all about Elijah's ministry and life coming to its fulfillment and him taken up by God to dwell in the midst of God forever. But this is also about the sending forth of God's conquering prophet into the land to save God's people. Now, what if you were on the shores of Jordan? That would be, I think, a, quite a frightening scene, wouldn't it? You can see the Spirit leading Elisha in might and in power to come to heal, to cleanse, to vindicate, to condemn. Just as God had done through Elijah, now he will do so through Elisha. And this story of Elijah and Elisha is no strange story or as foreign as we might think because we gather to worship one who has also passed through the Jordan waters in baptism, who is a new and better Elijah, a new and better Elisha. The Spirit also descended upon him. He also was tempted in the wilderness. And he also entered the land as a conqueror. And he went throughout the land conquering by his healing, by his forgiving, by his raising from the dead. This Jesus whom we worship was also recognized as a prophet of God. He too cleansed the house of God. He too restored the living waters for clean worship. And he, too, cast judgment upon corrupt priests as he cleansed the land. And the one we worship ascended as well, in the same way that Elijah was taken up. So our new Elijah was taken up as well, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father to reign forever. The story parallels Jesus' story, and it gives us confidence that God's kingdom has come. And that it will come more fully as history goes on, because our Savior reigns. And so, look, we live in the land, this world that's just conquered by God's prophet, God's conquering prophet, Jesus. The new and better, Elisha. The the thing is that things often look kind of bleak, don't they? It doesn't feel like we live in a conquered land. Or if it's conquered, the enemy still rages long and loud. In our society, we celebrated, if you call it a celebration, we remembered, commemorated 20 years since 9 11. COVID still confounds us as a people, graves still open wide to receive our loved ones. The church often feels small and insignificant. It's very much the land in which Elisha walked into, faithfully before God. And despite the desperate outlook and the felt failures, he walked on in faith. And those who would attach themselves to Elisha were saved. In the same way those who attach themselves to Elijah were saved. So we who have passed through the waters of judgment and baptism, we attach ourselves to Jesus, the new Elijah, the new Elisha. And therefore, we walk on faithfully through the long defeat towards death. And in that long walk, we trust that the life of Christ will have the last word. And that is not all. We walk in Christ, trusting that all things are working together for good, And in that, we all have our part to play. In the way that the Spirit was passed from Elijah to Elisha, so Jesus passes the Spirit from Himself to His people, the church. Jesus has given us His Spirit so that, though we remain harassed by Satan and our own sin, we do not despair, but we trust that indeed one day, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet trusting that we, the body of Christ, serve as God's word to a barren and dry land, that we are the ones who are providing seed and water, that the world and the church in it will bear fruit as we give our lives for the good of our neighbor and the life of the church, right? We are not a people who shrink back, but we are a confessing people, ready always and willing to give a defense of what we believe and who it is that we follow. We are confident that as we remain faithful to the tasks set before us, that we are establishing God's kingdom in our midst and throughout the world. But it all begins in the small places in which God has placed us now. And we are confident that even when things appear bleak, when we cannot see the way, when we feel all alone and utterly defeated, that God will have His victory. And we in Christ will rise to go forth in Him as more than conquerors. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, and we ask your blessing upon us now that we might be conformed into the image of your dear Son, who is leading the way for us. Having ascended now, he delights to dwell with us in this world through his Spirit. Empower us that we might serve you faithfully all of our days and give our lives for the life of the world. In the name of Christ, we pray all of these things. Amen.